0: Anybody hungry now? Yeah. So would you like apple pie? Yeah, we don't have any. So um, actually, let's just be honest about that. That was just an opportunity for me to go hang out at the pie shop and eat pie. So now we're looking for a barbecue place. Anybody that makes cakes? You know, because I'm willing. I'm available. I'm just saying. Anyway, we're going to get back to God now. It's part of what we do. Thanks for, uh, for doing that as a church family. If you're a guest, don't worry about it. So we're finishing up this show and tell. Today, I want to give you some ingredients. some ingredients, for, um, for how you can share your faith with other people. And it really boils down to this question. Here's the question. Uh, people matter to God. People matter so much to God that He came to the earth, died on a cross to, to reconcile with them. And uh, the question is not, does, do people matter to God? The question is, do they matter to us? In some of the research for this, I found one author who suggested that a failure to share your faith is an inexcusable lack of compassion. In other words, it's not about fear, it's not about shyness, it's about not really caring. And I think we care. I think we care about the people in our world and their eternal destiny, and so that's why we've been talking about how to share our faith and the importance of it. And today I want to talk uh, uh, from Colossians 4, and uh, if you want to turn your Bible there or if you want to um, uh, pull up a Bible app. Um, this is Paul's kind of final words. Final words are kind of famous people die and people record their final words and we never know for sure if that's really what they said. But here's Paul putting in writing the remainder of this book is really greetings and and, uh, talking to people that uh, just saying goodbye and so on, but it, it's kind of the final words that he writes because he's in prison, and he is going to probably be executed. Um, uh, he knows that for his faith, and so here, here is kind of his final instructions. This week, Ryan and I had lunch on Friday, and Ryan just said, "What any final words for him? Any final thoughts about what we're about to do?" And uh, and, um, and and so. If you think about what you you would want to say to someone, kind of your last, especially somebody like Paul who has so influenced them spiritually, what would he want to say? And here is what he thinks is the important uh, thing to communicate. It's found in Colossians chapter four, starting at verse two. He says this. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Uh, pray that I may, be, may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversations always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. These are kind of his words on how to impact your world, how to make a difference in your world. So I just kind of look at him. He starts out by saying being devoted in prayer. Uh, And what he means by that in the original language is be devoted to prayer. (laughs) He means that anything you're going to do for any eternal value, anything that really is going to make a difference, is going to be birthed in, um, empowered by, and soaked in prayer. (laughs) <laughs> because in and of ourselves, we can't really do anything of great eternal value. And so he says, begin with prayer. And the picture is, is that we, we pray. Uh, the Bible talks about praying without ceasing. What it means by that is not that you quit your job and become a monk and sit on a tower somewhere and pray. What it means is you're constantly in communication with God as you walk through your life. And so we have different kinds of prayers. So we have the kind of the proper, the formal prayer where we sit down and we read the Bible and and we and we I write out my prayers. And then I and, and then I then I stop and I listen and and that's kind of a formal prayer time. And that's an important Way to pray, but there's also what my wife used to call popcorn prayers, just through the day. Hey Lord, thanks that went well. Appreciate appreciate you being with me on that one. Lord, please uh, please help me keep a good attitude on the freeway. That kind of stuff. Um, uh, so little, just little prayers in the, the day, just talking to God, being mindful of His presence. Okay, uh, there's also propane prayers. Those are the kind you pray when you're uh, taking a test at school and you haven't studied. Um, so uh, those, oh God, please help. Right. So. As What is the point of this? The point is, yes, we grow spiritually, we grow closer to God, but the point is, as we grow closer to God, He directs our path. He, God has this great adventure to lead us on. As Christ followers, he wants us to to walk through our life intersecting with other people in ways that we can help them um, follow Christ or come to know Christ or move forward in their spiritual journey. And so our life is to be this great adventure, not just working and sleeping and eating, but it is to be this great adventure in which we get to impact others. And how do we do that if we're not constantly aware of his presence and in communication with God? Part of communication is not just talking to God, but also listening. Recently, I had, a, I had an observation. I was watching people, and, and there was this young lady, maybe 13, 14, 8th grade, freshman year, something like that, and, uh, and I could have just said teenagers, but I don't want to offend all the teenagers, so I'm going to just offend the 13 and 14-year-olds. Sorry. So, but it was interesting because you know, 13-year-old uh, girls uh, look much more grown up than 13-year-old boys. I don't know if you ever noticed that. Right, boys are just starting to smell a little bit, but they haven't grown yet uh, at that age, and and girls look like women. I mean, they do. And she looked like uh, physically, she looked like a woman. She was beautiful, and she was tall, and wearing way too much makeup, uh, and uh, and yet she was just beautiful creature. And and I just thought, wow, how neat! What a great family. And then I saw, uh, then I saw her parents trying to interact with her, get her, give her instructions to to move to the next thing they needed to do, and that was at that point I realized she had these Mongo headphones on, big old. That headphones on. And I realized that when her parents started talking to her, that the headphones weren't just for listening to music. They were a way of dealing with her parents, ignoring her parents, because she had it all figured out. And it was so interesting, typical kind of thing, where she just kept, and I had a sense that she wears them 24-7, so that she doesn't have to listen to mom and dad, right? She doesn't have to take directions anymore, because she's grown up now, right? Well, uh, I know some Christians like that right? It's called immaturity is what it's called. And they think I'm Christians. I'm good. I got the fire escape deal going. I'm going to heaven. I don't need to listen to God. But what is dumb about that is you're missing the best stuff because God is trying to lead us not just into heaven, but into an incredible adventure on this side of heaven where we get to invite others to go to heaven with us and if we don't listen in that that constant prayer that that devoted to prayer thing we don't hear him directing us into these great encounters these great conversations that actually grow us, and change other people's lives. And so a part of what Paul is saying is start with prayer. Think prayer first. Be about the prayer thing. That's more important. So I read about a a pastor, a guy that I've I've read his books for years, pastor, author, speaker guy, and I didn't know this about him. And he, he said, I realize about myself that I'm kind of a type A driver, trying to get it done always. And I'm thinking of my agenda long before I get to the office, all this stuff. And he said, so in order to make sure that I think prayer first, not agenda first or schedule first or whatever, he says, the first thing that touches the floor in the morning are my knees. And think about that—you you gotta roll over in your stomach, and you gotta swing around, and you gotta wake up your wife in the process. And 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 yet he does that every morning. This guy's goes to 70 probably he rolls over and, get, and make sure that his knees—the first thing it touches—and as long as I'm down there, I might as well start my day with prayer. And so while he's got his knees on the floor his elbows on the bed, he begins to talk to God about the day, and thank God for His goodness and so. I thought that's, and here's a guy who's like the spiritual giant, at least in my eyes, and that's how he reminds himself to pray first, to be devoted to prayer. It's that important that we put prayer first, that that is how we are guided in life. And so he says, be devoted to prayer. And uh, and then he goes on, and uh, and he says this, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message. Now, here's an interesting thing about All of the disciples, again and again, not every time, but more often than not, when you read about them in trouble, he's in trouble, he's in prison, he's going to die. It's interesting, you and I would be praying for um, uh, like a hacksaw, like a, a way out, right? God, get me out of here. And again and again, the disciples, whether they're arrested in Jerusalem or it's Paul here, what do they pray for? They pray for boldness. They pray for an opportunity to share because the price tags in their life have changed. Our, the, the highest value to most of us instinctively is comfort and ease. Right? They have flipped the switch on that. The most valuable thing to them, because they saw Christ, they saw the resurrection, they know about eternity, they flipped the, the, the switch on this deal, and now the most valuable thing is to share that with other people at the expense of their comfort and ease and even their lives. And so they have a different value system. He said, pray not that I'll have it easy, not that I'll get out of prison. Pray that I'll have an opportunity, an open door to share this powerful, life-changing message. That's what it means to truly appreciate what Christ has done for us. And, and so we begin with that, for open doors. We pray for open doors. John 6, says an interesting thing. It says, in essence, that no one comes to, to salvation in and of themselves, but by the Father. The Father draws them. So I want you to kind of flip the switch, maybe even on how you're thinking about sharing your faith. Because you don't go out there and you kind of try and find people and you grab them by the throne and say, listen up, you're going to hell. and you, It doesn't work so well. Here's what it more looks like. It more looks like God is already working in people's lives. The Holy Spirit is already helping people realize what Augustine said. Augustine said that our our hearts are restless until we come to a relationship through Christ with our Father. We were made for that. And until we find that our hearts are restless. So what is happening is people have restless hearts. Sometimes it's a broken heart. Sometimes it's a lack of meaning in life. Sometimes it's just an ill at ease understanding there might be something more. And with this restless heart, what happens is the Holy Spirit begins to draw them. God begins to draw them to himself. And in that process of God working in their heart, we get to intersect with them. That's what an open door is. It's just an intersection of us as a believer intersecting with them and somehow helping them understand the next step of their spiritual journey. It's not up to us to grab them and change their life and put a notch on our gun belt or whatever. It is it's silliness. It's about just cooperating with God as He works in their heart to draw them to Himself. It's not our job to fix them. It's not our job to do anything. It's our job to just step through the door, share our story, His story, and let God take care of the rest. That's what kind of looks like. So. Um, do you remember what Christ said to the first disciples? I will make you fishers of men, which was interesting because they were fishermen. He was going to make them fishers of men, but there's an analogy there. It's a very interesting analogy for us because we think we got to go out and tell people about Jesus, and get them, get them right, and, you know, straight up. It's not about that at all. It's about just kind of. I hate fishing, by the way, because most fishing involves boats, and I get very sick in boats. I have motion sickness, terrible, and besides that, it's just boring. So. Um, Sorry to all the fishermen in the room, but you know I'm right. Um, Most of you fish just to get away from your spouse. Let's just be honest about it right here, right now. a couple years ago, you remember me telling a story about going fishing in Montana? You guys remember me telling you about this? And I went with a guide and went on a float trip down the river, right? Uh, and and uh, and I actually enjoyed fishing because we were catching like 19-inch trout, you know? But the guide, I think, you know, he'd we'd catch me, throw him back. I thought I think he caught the same fish every day. Here comes the boat, guys. Okay. Um, so, but what was interesting is, about this is that while he was teaching us to fly fish for trout, we, I was the front of the boat, and my friend is the back of the boat or vice versa, I can't which was, and both of us are really uh, you know really believe in Jesus and Christ has changed our life so and this kid who is our guide has just been through a life-changing experience he, he, he began a process of recovery from addiction and was turning to some Eastern mysticism weird stuff to try to find some some things for his restless heart. and so he's fishing and we're fishing and he's fishing and we're fishing and he's fishing for trout and we're fishing for him. we had a great day. It was so much fun. And really, at the end of the day, we hugged and we became friends. And it was wonderful because we actually got to give him our stories and maybe a couple of suggestions where he could find some hope for his restless heart. We got to just say, well, this is how I found it. And and he'll do with it what he's going to do with it. And the Spirit's already working his life. How do you think he ended up in a boat with a pastor and another strong believer? How do you think? Is that a coincidence at all? I don't think so. No, I think God intersected our paths. And so what Paul is saying, pray for those intersections, for those open doors, those opportunities to cooperate with what the Spirit's already doing. Pray for those. And God is already at work in their life. And it might be just a, a quick encounter. It might just be, you know, uh, you know just a, a friendly hello that might someday become a relationship. That might someday be a spiritual conversation. It might be. It might be just friendship you have already and you just drop a little, a little thing out there like, hey, you know, I go to church, right? <laughs> Why? I'm glad you asked. Or, you know, when I was going through a, dif- a difficult time in my life, um, my faith, uh, coming to faith in Christ, really helped me. Or when I was trying to make a big decision, I, you know, the teachings of Jesus really kind of gave me some guidance on how to deal with that. It's all you got to do. If they follow up, great. If they don't, okay. But you gave them the opportunity. It's not your job to take it all away, it's just your job to do that. Be fishers of men. Because you know that what you're offering them is eternal life, the best thing they could ever have. It's not about you being right are being superior. If anything, we're not superior. We should never be superior. We're sinners. We all know we're sinners, right? We know it's by God's grace alone that we have been forgiven and we're going to be spending eternity in heaven. Not, we have not earned it. We're not uh, superior to anybody. We are humbly accepting of God's gift. And that's all we want to do is share the gift. It's not about growing a church. It's not about growing our religion. It's about knowing why you're on this earth, finding the forgiveness for it. And so, so let me just take that a step further. So one of the things that I think is interesting is many of us who are Christians, we would like to share our faith, but we don't even, we don't even kind of risk even little, little things like that. You know, like well, when I was making a decision, I, I really found, you know, uh, Jesus teaching how to be So can I challenge you to do something? I read years ago, and, and if you're a salesperson, you know this, that a salesperson practices um, an elevator presentation. If you happen to get your foot in the door, you want to be able to say what your product is and why they need it between the first and third floors on the elevator. Right? You ever heard of this? Yeah, right? I can do that with my faith. I was born in a Christian home. My dad was even a pastor, but I decided that money and some other stuff was going to make me a lot happier. And so I took a really bad turn in my life. And I felt very lonely and disappointed with myself. And then one day I realized that what I really needed was to go to Jesus And since I went back to Jesus, I got to tell you, I have never once doubted not a single day, not an hour of my life. I've never doubted why I'm on this earth. I know exactly why I'm here. And I have a great wife and I have great kids. I have a great job and I know what I'm supposed to do with my life. That's my elevator presentation. It's the truth. What's your elevator presentation? What has God done in your life? If you get a chance to give one little two, three, what was that? Two sentences? One big run on, I don't know, but whatever it is, whatever it is, if you get a chance to do that, have you thought it through? What does it really mean that you're a Christian? Well, I stopped doing that, and I stopped doing that, and I stopped doing that. Yeah, you may have, but that's not the that's not the deal. You stopped doing that for why? Because you found the ultimate love experience, the ultimate love relationship, and it changed your perspective of you and the world and everything, right? So one of the things that Paul wants to do is he wants to pray that he'll have opportunities and that he'll have clarity. Let me read on. He says, uh, so that we proclaim our message, so that we proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. If anybody could articulate the gospel, the Apostle Paul, seriously? And yet he's praying that he would speak clearly the message. It's not changing what the message is, but sometimes you have to speak in a different way. Paul was very much aware of this. Paul spoke to Jews, and when he spoke to Jews, he cited the Old Testament, and he talked about the promised Messiah and all that kind of stuff. But when he spoke to Greeks, he spoke differently. You have all these gods, but I need to tell you who the true God is. It wasn't the message that was different. He understood the culture that he was speaking to sometimes we need to speak differently to different people. Same message. You just, some people are wounded and hurt. You need to be super sensitive. Some are just kind of tough, and they're more cerebral. And you get, no, here's the truth. This is the truth about some things here. You need to be careful. One of the things we're learning around here, I'm learning, I'm learning, is that my way of presenting the gospel is oftentimes uh, has been developed dealing with boomers. And boomers, most of them went to church at some point in their life and rejected it. And so when I'm talking to boomers, I realize I have to personally gain credibility by telling them something true that is true apart from whether they believe in God or not, or or that will work in life so that I can earn the right to then talk to them about spiritual things because they rejected it once before. The younger ones on our staff, and our whole staff is younger, um, tell me, no, that's not true of millennials. And young younger people, they never went to church. They don't know who Jesus was. They don't know that he was God incarnate, that he died on a cross to forgive them. He was resurrected so we could have heaven forever. And he wants to direct that. They don't know any of that. So we start with that. You start with relationship. We start with the truth. And we'll build a relationship from then on. Do you understand? You follow me? It's, it's interesting. It's the thing I'm trying to learn. You need to understand who you're talking to. And the Holy Spirit can help you understand who you're talking to. If you're talking to somebody who is broken, you just need to be super sensitive. If you're talking to somebody who's sincerely seeking and, and they're more uh, kind of intellectual, go with that and say, yeah, I, I don't think the Bible is just a fairy tale. Matter of fact, let me give you a couple of resources to look at, uh, written by scientists who are believers about the facts of the Bible. The Bible is more reliable than any other ancient document you can find. It is, absolutely, there are things. So knowing, so he says, he says pray that I will be able to speak clearly what the Bible is. Uh, or what the truth is, and, and so we get to do that as well, and so we speak clearly um, uh, about what, what's going on. We also need to be caring in, in the process. By the way, some Christians just tick me off, and they call themselves Christians. I'm, I can't choose, I can't determine if they're saved or not, but I think not. Um, <laughs> these people walk around with signs, and they pretend to be Christians, but it's really just hate speech. I'd like to do bad things to them, I mean, I know that's as sinful as their attitude. I understand that God's helping me. But they are doing such damage to the rest of us, trying to love people and bring healing. And they're out there spewing junk. And every non-believer goes, well, that's Christians. No, are not Christians. Those are evil, nasty people. Right? Christian. What are we supposed to be known by as Christians? Our love, not our hate speech. Right? And so part of what we have to do is be caring. We just need to actually not just pretend to care, actually care (laughs) what happens to the people around us. That's what Jesus did. And then um, we need to be fairly concise, which I'm not being today, but um, lady came to me this week and uh, said, I heard you're a minister. Is that true? Yes, yes. She said, what kind? I'm thinking there's an open door. You could drive a truck through right there. (laughs) Lord, help me not blow this one. And I could have gone on for hours, and I knew I had like two sentences, right? I think I said something to the effect of the kind that wants people to know how much God loves them. And I think that is part of what I said. And, and uh, we're not done. We're going to have more conversations. And I think it's going to be interesting. I think it's going to be exciting. We didn't, get, we didn't get all the way there. It may take a while, but God keeps causing those intersections to happen. I'm excited about what's going to become of that. Because she's a person who has some hurts and some woundedness, and I know that Jesus can bring hope and healing. Um, he says in verse six, he says this: He says, "Let your conversation be always full of grace, always full of grace. Grace is unmerited favor. Just grace. Just not not. You're not trying to improve somebody's morality. Yes, America needs improved morality, but it's not going to happen because we tell them they have to. It's going to happen when they meet Jesus." So my goal is to help people meet Jesus. He'll take care of the morality problem. We can talk about that later. You're not going to change your morality until you change your heart. And if I introduce people to Jesus, if I can introduce them to the love that, that they've always wanted, then morality, it's usually searching for what they really want in really bad ways. That's all it is. And when they find what they really want, the other stuff will begin to fall off It'll begin to change. So we're not going to correct America's morality or our friend's morality, but we can introduce them to Jesus, and he can begin to do that. So full of grace, loving, winsome, grace-filled is what we need to be. Well, let me just give you three ingredients quickly, if you're going to share your faith. Three ingredients, and the first one is exactly what I just said. Heaping spoonfuls of of God's love. Um, Heaping spoonfuls of God's love. God, the reason Christ came wasn't uh, vengeance. It wasn't judgment. It was love. The only explanation for Christ is that God loved us. And he loved us so much that he gave his only son. We begin with that. People need to understand that. They need to to hear how much they're loved. And then uh, in Matthew 18, 14, it says, your father in heaven is not willing that any of his children should perish. In other words, Christ came for every single person. He loves every single person. You will never lock eyes with a person that doesn't matter to God and Christ didn't die for. We begin with that. And then... um, You have to have the right ingredients for your your witnessing, if you will. And most people think the ingredients for, if they believe there's a heaven, the ingredients for getting to heaven is good works, is if I can just be good enough, if I can just be good enough. And the problem is we can never be good enough. That's the bad news. The good news is what needs to happen has already happened. Christ died on the cross so that every one of us could be forgiven. And so the good news, it's not what you do, it's what's been done. That's what it is. And it's, well, I feel like I need, I know you feel that way, but you can't do enough. The gap is too big. You just need to realize it's already been done for you. Christ's death and the cross paid for all your misdeeds, and all you got to do is receive that and accept it. It's it's interesting. I was thinking of an analogy. I think this kind of works. I was thinking about this week, um, because a lot of people want to say, well, if I go to heaven because I'm a good person, and then they compare themselves to Hitler, Right? almost always that way, or or a guy down the street who drinks too much and beats his wife or whatever it is. Um, I was thinking of this analogy. See if this works for you. I have seen over the years movies, interviews, stories, true stories about, about soldiers in war and one soldier sacrificing his life to save his friend or his friends, right? We've seen those I have never, in all, and I've seen dozens of these stories, I have never, in all the years of hearing these stories, I've never once heard the survivor, the guy who, whose friend sacrifices himself, say, you know, he should have done that because I deserve it. He should have jumped on that because I'm that good a person. Never happened. They always humbly go, I can't believe he did that for me. I didn't deserve it. I'm going to live the rest of my life trying to honor his sacrifice. Isn't that the response? And rightly so. The same response to Jesus. I didn't deserve him to die on a cross. And yet, he has. And I'm going to live the rest of my life in response to that sacrifice. You see, it's already been done. And to try to do it myself ignores what's already been done. The last thing that he, he says here is to include a little salt. What he means by that is salt is important. I don't know if you know this, but even ice cream has salt in it. Did you know that? If you make homemade ice cream, there's a little salt in there. And as much as we're supposed to talk about God's love, and as much as we're supposed to try to extend His grace, we also need to put a little salt in there. Some truth. Some truth like, by the way, I'm glad we're having this conversation. I'm so glad because this is so important. Because you know what's at stake here is eternity, forever. Whether you believe in it or not, that's what's at stake here. I, I, I don't want to upset you, and I don't want to disrupt your life, and so on, except for I kind of need to, because there's a lot at stake here. It's the most important decision you ever make. That's why I care enough to share this with you. And we need to put a little, because here's the deal. Coming to Christ isn't, it's an, so sharing Christ's love is, is kind of a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle we're to experience every day. As we walk with Him, look for opportunities, just in even small ways to share it. But coming to Christ is not a lifestyle, it's an event. You see, when a person comes to believe, they believe in their heart, they confess with them, I believe Jesus really was who he said he was, that he he was God incarnate, that he died. I don't understand all of it. I don't get it, all of it, but I know that he died and somehow that forgives me if I'll just receive that. And then he wants to work in my life right now and then he wants me to be in heaven forever. I believe that. And when a person believes that and they say that, they cross the line of faith from an unbeliever Maybe a seeker. Maybe somebody who's spiritual in their, in their mind to someone who truly believes in Jesus Christ and is a Christian. And if we're going to share our faith, we need to give them the opportunity at some point to do that. I, did I mention earlier, I have a friend, I was seven years, atheist, for seven years before I finally got him to make this decision. I didn't get him, the Holy Spirit did. But I, along the way, I had to ask, are you ready to... Are you ready to cross that? Because it's a decision. You don't kind of, it's not osmosis, it just kind of happens to me or I kind of ooze into it or I inherit it from my family. You, every one of us, must make a decision. And those of us who are sharing our faith must give people an opportunity to make a decision and cross that line of faith and become a believer, a Christian, a Christ follower. And so I encourage you as you as you're sharing with those that you love and you care about, to not quit too soon. Take it all the way to the goal line. Cross the line of faith with them so that they'll spend eternity in heaven with you. Along those lines, I think I would like to do that today. Um, And no big fanfare, no organ music, no sad stories. I just want to give you the opportunity today, if you've never crossed the line of faith, you've never truly said, I believe. I believe he was who he said he was. I need him to forgive my sins. I need him to begin to work in me and guide me. And I want him to take me with him to heaven. And so today I'm going to invite you to do that. It's not going to be anything weird. We're not going to make it. I'm going to make I ask you to raise your hand in a moment. That's all. And look up at me. That's all I'm going to ask you to do. And then we're going to pray a prayer together. That's it. And if you truly believe, and you don't have to understand all of it, but you truly believe that you need Jesus and you want to trust him for forgiveness, you can do that right today. And it'll be the most important decision you'll ever make. And and I just want to invite you. So let's just bow our heads and close our eyes so we can have some privacy between between those who raise a hand and me and God. And, and, uh, and I'm going to start... Uh, uh, on the on the right side, my right, your left side of the room. And I'm going to just, if you want to commit your life to Christ for the first time, I just want you to raise a hand and look up at me. And I'm just going to acknowledge that. Anybody on this side of the room, just raise your hand, look, okay, and look up at me. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. Anybody else on, on your left, my right side section here? Anybody else? Okay. How about uh, this middle right section? Raise your hand and look up at me. Raise your hand and look up at me, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anybody who's never committed your life to Christ, yes. In the balcony, anybody up there? Yeah. Very cool. How about this section right here to my left, just right in front of me? Yep, raise your hand, look up at me. How cool, how exciting, powerful stuff. Yes, ma'am, I see that, yes, yes, ma'am. How exciting. And to my left, to your right, this section over here, anybody? Raise your hand and look up at me. Do you want to cross that line of faith today with us? Anybody over here at all? Good. Now here's what I want you to do. I want you to bow your eye, head and close your eyes. Those who just lift your hand, and I'm going to pray a prayer, and I want you to pray it in your heart. It means you think it with me, and God will hear that. Lord Jesus, I thank you for coming and dying for me. I thank you for forgiving me of my sins because I believe that you can do that. Lord, I thank you for beginning to guide and lead my life to grow me to be more like you. And Lord, I thank you that you're going to take me to heaven. Lord, there are a lot of things I don't understand yet, but I want to understand them and I want to believe. And so starting today, Lord, I ask that you begin to grow me. You teach me. You would change my heart. You would change my priorities. You would make me more like you. I receive your forgiveness now. I believe in you and I trust you. And I pray all of this in Jesus' name, amen.